Welcome to Scrub Chat, a podcast of sharing stories by veterinary professionals for veterinary professionals. I'm your host, Kim Farina, a veterinarian, a writer. I've worked in the animal health industry, and prior to that, I was an MTV journalist and a radio personality. So yes, my career has taken me in lots of different directions. In each episode of Scrub Chat, I sit down and chat with a veterinarian or technician as they share their own directions, their interesting career decisions, what's worked, what hasn't, and how they made it all fit. Thank you for joining me today as we explore veterinary medicine combined with all the other aspects of our lives. Zoetis has generously created these podcasts to help support the profession we love. Today, I get to chat with Charlotte Wack a credentialed veterinary technician for close to two decades and currently works for Veterinary Information Network, or as we all call it, VIN, as Director of Veterinary Support Personnel Network, known as VSPN, and its continuing education program. Thanks for being here, Charlotte. Thanks. It's great to be here. And I have to tell you, I love your hair. You have a purple stripe right in the front. It's beautiful. (laughs) It looks very festive. Thank you. It's kind of my signature thing now, I guess. (laughs) Do you change it every once in a while? Nope. It's always purple. Always purple. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's very cool. Excellent. You know, I feel like there's going to be a lot of wisdom passed on during this podcast episode. And it's not because in one of your bios that you sent me, you refer to yourself more than once as a dinosaur. Okay, really, that's not why. No, no, I'm not talking about wisdom because of that. I mean, you have been in the veterinary profession for a very long time, and you no doubt have wise words to share. So, but I'm not going to call you like T-Rex or anything, okay? Because I I just won't go there. Well, I think we we termed it this week, um, Techosaurus instead of T-Rex. So (laughs) I like that. Pegasaurus. I'm still calling you Charlotte, though. But okay. thank you for letting me know. Um, so I always like to start off with my guest explaining what they currently do. So you are director of VSPN. Tell me more. This is always a, a hard question to to talk about when people ask me what I do. Um, VSPN is an online community for veterinary support staff, and we have message boards, um, online documents, um, different resources, and uh, CE courses that we offer online. And I help kind of wrangle it all and put it together. So um, yeah, that's kind of in a nutshell of what I do. I also help with VIN in their conferences. So I do a lot of traveling for work. Got it. And do you do you create the content too, or you're just collating it all for the site? A little of both. A little of both. Sometimes we create um, myself and my team, which uh, on my team, I have mostly credentialed veterinary technicians, but uh, a lot of it is comes from our community. They submit items that we that are great resources and we make sure that we get it on the site so that people can have a handy reference. So you also must hire instructors, coordinate the CE courses you offer for the technicians and everybody else. Is that part of it? Yes, that is part of my job. I've turned a lot of the day-to-day operations over to Lisa Kernigan, who is kind of my right hand in VSPN. But I still go out and um, at the conferences, look for instructors, sit down and talks and see if maybe they have a really interesting approach and uh, approach them to see if they'd like to teach for VSPN. And your roots run very deep with VIN and VSPN since the mid-1990s because you started as a volunteer chat host in their public forum. So how did you get involved in the first place? With that, my sister actually 
um, was on AOL and she found this great area she called Pet Care Forum and said, hey, you really need to get on here because you work at a vet clinic and and all these people are asking all these questions. Um, and it's dog people that uh, that you would get along with, I think. So I started hanging around in the chat rooms like a lot of us did back in the 90s. And um, someone approached me to to be a chat host. And so I just kind of jumped in and said, sure, why not? And you said that your sister was the one who introduced it to you. Because one of my questions would be is, you know, how did you know about the opportunity in the first place? Because you're just humming along. How would you know that even existed? I honestly, I didn't. Um, They approached me as far as wanting to be a host. I just kind of hung around and typed and and chatted with different people. And somebody said, hey, you're kind of good at this. Would you like to help lead some of these chats? And um, I said, yes. Which back then I said yes to a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, as we're talking about um, kind of back in the day and back many years ago, um, I thought one of the most intriguing parts of your life story is that your first college degree was in music business. Um, <laughs> explain how that transitioned happened, because that is really a wild jump. Well, when I graduated from college back in 1982, again, showing the dinosaur reference, um, I was too afraid to move to Los Angeles or Nashville. I was barely 21 years old. And so I took a job managing a restaurant that um, I'd worked at all through college. And then I hurt my back and had to have surgery. And so I was out of the workforce for about a good year. And when I came back, there was a blind, there was an ad for a veterinary assistant in the paper. I thought, oh, why not try this? And uh, I fell in love with the field. What made you fall in love with the field? The science in the patient care, I didn't ever think that I was a science person because I was always a music person, um, but it just fascinated me. I wanted to learn more and more, like our diabetic patients. I wanted to see what is the mechanism behind diabetes? How, does it, how is it caused? Why do we treat? What, why do we use what we treat? So yeah, I just had to kind of research everything and, and became really passionate about it. You know, you mentioned change of direction and you have had several different positions in, as a veterinary technician. Tell us how you decided to change roles. For me, it wasn't that I decided. Um, it was usually something else happened. A health issue came up or another opportunity presented itself. So um, it's just that I was open to try different things and try to go a little bit farther because it's a very physical career and it does it takes its toll on you physically and that's something i probably didn't know when i first started out but um you need to have a some kind of a plan to go further than when your body says eh, no more i we can't do it anymore so when your body was saying that and you're like okay what do i do next how did you know to even explore then and how would you even know that existed because i was still a volunteer and um i contacted the then director of vspn and said hey my back my doctor says my you know my back's giving out i'm going to have to come out of clinical practice i probably have more time to volunteer now and she said send me a resume so that's, I honestly, I fell into it. I was very fortunate, I think. That's terrific. I mean, on one hand, I mean, everything just aligned for you, which is wonderful. And as you said, it was like, it, it, like opportunities presented themselves just at the time when you needed them. They did. But again, it, it kind of comes from the volunteer aspect of it that, you know, always trying different things and being involved in the profession that I think has helped 
cultivate some of these opportunities for me. From veterinary assistant to credentialed veterinary technician to veterinary educator and now VSBN director, I mean, your career has been very wide ranging and varied. I really want to get to the core issue here, though, which is sustainability. I read in a recent survey that the average tech lifespan in practice, in clinical practice, is five to seven years. And of those who left clinical practice, 45% have left the field completely. You didn't leave. You're still going strong. How are you sustaining in this profession? So your numbers are are very true. We do lose too many, and it's something that we need to address um, because we're losing too many technicians. For me, I'm fortunate that my husband has a good job um, and that I can work and live on wages that are less than ideal because... I have my husband's income to depend on. A lot of people don't have that. So I think that's probably a big factor for me. I love what I do, but I, again, I feel very fortunate that I've been able to have this chance to do what I do financially uh, because a lot of people can't. Right. So, And that was actually what I wanted to ask you too, is that that salary is very tough to live on. How much did finances affect your decisions in your career? Now, you've been married for a very long time, but did finances, like, imagine if your husband wasn't there, like, how would that affect where you went with your career? Yeah, if my husband wasn't here, I probably would not be in veterinary medicine anymore. Um, I would probably be working at a corporate management job or doing something with my bachelor's degree rather than doing what I love, which is very unfortunate that we can't make a living wage, that most technicians need to have two jobs just to make ends meet so they can put food on the table. I don't know how that changes, though. You mentioned your husband, and you've been married for over 25 years. So, you know, you must be likable, obviously. You know, you're you're not a grumpy, disgruntled technician. <laughs> what, <laughs> you know, you're, you're likable. What advice would you give to technicians in terms of maintaining or cultivating healthy personal relationships while still being a successful technician? How do you do that? It's difficult because my husband has heard many times after I've come home from the clinic griping about clients or work issues or this or that. So he's heard a lot of this over the years. The biggest thing is you need to find something outside of work that makes you happy. And I think that's very important because we can become so consumed. We go home, driving home, we are thinking about our patients. We play that anesthesia event over and over in our heads that we need to at some point let it go and put that aside. Be present for your family and go out and have fun. Do something that makes your life enjoyable because otherwise you're going to burn out. You're going to hate this field. You are going to end up with problems with your partner um, because nothing is good anywhere. Um, So you have to find somewhere to make it good. How do you make it happy with your husband? How, because you've been married for so long. There has to be a key, the secret to that long relationship and being a technician, are you saying that you just leave everything at work? What is what what is it? I travel a lot now. That helps. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly, I had to learn how to reel it in and not come home and tell him every little problem. He kind of turned the tables on me at one point and told me about every little problem that happened at his workplace with people that I don't know and don't really care about. 
So he gave me some of my own medicine. It's something we had to work on over the years. I mean, being married 31 years is a long time, but it, it did. It, it took some self-awareness to realize, wow, I'm just coming home and griping. That's all I'm doing. I need to not do that because that's all we, we discuss is my clinic at night. And we need to not do that. We have a life together. So we need to pay attention to that. Nope. I understand. No, absolutely. So let's switch gears. And you're also the co-founder and leader of the VIN Foundation Peer Support Group, Support for Support. Can you explain more on what it is? Support for Support was uh, started after Vets for Vets had been very successful, in which that's a peer support group. Um, Vets for Vets has weekly meetings. We were meeting weekly for support for support, but it just really wasn't working well. So now we have more of a forum with Facebook. We have a closed group that people can come and if they're having a bad day, they can post on there and they have other people, peers that will come in and hopefully give them a little boost up. But we also offer one-on-one peer support that uh, if someone's really struggling, we will line you up with someone to talk to on the phone, email. Um, I've even met a couple of the support group members in person. Um, so we're not mental health professionals, but sometimes you just need someone to talk to or a shoulder to lean on. And that's what the VIN Foundation has been very supportive in helping us get the word out there that um, support for support does exist because we don't want to see any other technicians commit suicide or, again, leaving the, leaving the field five to seven years in. We want to be there to try to help keep them here in the field a little bit longer. And is this for anybody in the veterinary profession? Yes, for any support personnel. Veterinarians need to go to Vets for Vets, but any support personnel can join. And they can email us at supportforsupport at vinfoundation.org. Wonderful. Now you mentioned, you know, Vets for Vets, but was there a catalyst for creating that group? Uh, uh, Like, besides the success of Vets for Vets, was there something that in you made you go, we've got to create this? For me, no, it was, it was more, they asked and, and I said, yes, but be, what was behind Vets for Vets was when Dr. Sophia Yin took her life. And that's when the Finn Foundation decided to put that group together. And Dr. Yin's suicide greatly affected me because she was always so supportive of technicians. And the fact that I was going to, I was very happy I was going to see her the next week at Wild West Veterinary Conference. And then she took her life. So it, w- it made a great impact on me. And when they asked if I would lead this group, they said, I'm not sure if I'm the right person, but yeah, I'll start it at least. And three years later, here we are. What advice would you give to new technicians? For starting out in the field? Yes. The ones that just come right out of school. One, they need to have a bit of a, a hard shell because they're going to they're going to be not exactly yelled at, but there are a lot of expectations. When the same thing with veterinarians, I think that um, you come out of school and everyone expects you to know everything and your skills be 100%. Well, that's not going to happen because you've probably placed two IV catheters while you're in school. Now you're expected to do this day by day. We all have bad vein days. So don't take everything personally, um, reach out to other technicians who are experienced and don't, don't be afraid to ask for help. Say, Hey, I am struggling on hitting a jugular vein. Can you maybe give me some tips that have maybe helped you? Um, hopefully the technicians on the other end will be open and amenable to that instead of just talking bad about them. And if you're having problems within the clinic, 
Talk to someone. Don't bottle it up. Don't go home and take it out on your partner. Talk to someone, get it out and um, try to work through it. And as we talk about clinical practice, do you feel like all technicians should go into clinical practice first and then go on to the other career options? Is that, would you say that's like a, like a mandatory step or not necessarily? I'm not sure if it's mandatory, but I think being in clinical practice, you understand the field better. So if you do go on to do, say, go to work for poison control, you have been in clinical practice, you know what that client, you've talked to clients and you've done patient care. So you have that experience. Um, I just think it helps make you a better rounded veterinary technician. And say a veterinary technician did their clinical practice and they're 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 like, you know what, I wanna I wanna do something new. What advice would you give to them at that point, at that juncture in their life, to either how they would find new opportunities or what you know, what where where they should go in their head even in terms of what what they should do next. They need to be open, open to any opportunities. It may be something that's outside of their comfort zone, but be willing to try. Um, not, not everyone is meant to be in clinical practice. Some do better in a research setting. Some may do better in a sales setting, but always have the doors open. Don't close one and say, oh, no, 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 no. That's not for me. Try it. You never know. You might just fall in love with it. Um, network as far as finding, being able to find these opportunities. Get in the online communities, get on the message boards, get into the Facebook groups. I just saw a Facebook group, um, anesthesia nerds. Someone had posted a job open opening at Ross U for an anesthesia technician. In between there, someone had messaged back, yes, yes, I'm really interested. I'd love to live in, you know, St. Kitts. And then between that, someone else said, oh, by the way, we have an opening. And there were like four different jobs just within this one Facebook post. So you never know when that opportunity is going to happen. So, you know, network and talk to people. Don't be shy. Get out there. Put your resume out there. Ask questions. If people aren't sure what I do, they would like to work for VSPN, give me a call, email me, ask me what I do and how do you, how do we get there? So always, you know, be open to the different opportunities. And, you know, you mentioned networking and that, and, and you talked about reaching out to you and what, and you've been very involved with organized veterinary medicine. You served as the national, on the National Veterinary Technician Association Executive Board. You were involved in the Missouri Veterinary Technicians Association, the Illinois State Veterinary Medical Association. I mean, you just keep going. You're, you're involved with organized medicine. Why get involved with organized medicine? Because, I mean, you do have a lot on your plate. Why do that, too? Because I want to see things change in veterinary medicine. I would like to see everyone have title protection for veterinary technicians. I want to see veterinary technicians be in the field longer than five to seven years. So I can't change it from the outside just complaining about it. I need to get in there and at least try to help do something and make some of this change happen. And that's why... I just feel that if you're going to be in a, if you're going to live in that state, you're going to be licensed in that state, then you should help the state association so that you can help your profession be stronger. And um, yeah, I had to learn how to, I had to learn to say no to a few things, but, but it really doesn't take as much time as you think to um, help these different organizations out. And um, it, it does help open doors. You mentioned opening doors. How does 
it provide networking opportunities. So when I was at the National MedTech Association on their board, I'm working side by side with leaders of the industry like Kira Burns and Vicki O'Grain. And then with the State Vet Med Association, I was the certified veterinary technician on a board that was comprised of all veterinarians. And so the veterinarians get to know me and I got to know them. And that we just, we talk during breaks and, um, you know, different opportunities. They may ask me, Hey, do you know a technician who would like to do this or different opportunities just come up through going to these meetings and being involved and getting to know people. Yeah. And it sounds like you don't need to be president. You don't have to run for a position. You can start off with just attending the meetings and being a member. Yes. Attending meetings, being a member, and then maybe saying yes to a committee. It might entail some phone calls a couple of times a year. Um, But whatever you can do to help your profession be a little bit better so that we leave a better profession for the next generation. I'm all for that. Well, talking about generations, I want to kind of look back at your life so far. It's not like you're 100 years old or anything like that, of course, but looking at the at the pathway, looking at where you've been, any other bits of wisdom you want to share with us? What else can you share with us, Charlotte? Tell us. Mm. I'd say probably the the most important thing is to always be open to communication. Um, don't burn bridges, definitely, because you may have a practice that let you go, but five years down the road, you may find yourself back at that practice for some reason. So uh, don't burn any bridges, probably the most important thing. Um, always strive to learn more because that helps keep you young. It helps keep you going. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I have anything else. (laughs) Let's talk about stress because we were talking about the support group earlier and so forth. What ways have you learned to handle stress? I like to take a lot of walks. So when everything is building up and I feel like I want to yell at someone, I'm fortunate that I work from home that I can just grab my dogs and go outside and walk around our three acres for a few minutes and come back feeling a little bit peaceful and rested. So exercise is really important. Um, Taking care of yourself, I think is very important. I get massages every three to four weeks. I make sure that I I take care of me, have a little downtime. Um, I make sure that I turn my computer off at night so that I'm because working from home, you can be on 24 seven just about. So I give myself defined times that this is the end of my day. And then from here on, I'm going to pay attention to my husband or spend time with my grandchildren. So those are just some things that help, you know, relieve the stress and get away from it all. What skills do you believe are important for a veterinary technician to move into different career options? You need to be able to talk to people. And not only talk, but listen, know how to listen, because that is a skill within itself. Um, I always tell people that as a technician, you should spend a day on the front desk and see what those front desk people go through, because they do learn how to communicate very fast with clients who are upset, clients who are happy. You can't just be quiet in your corner. So I think communication is probably the biggest skill that you can hone um, as far as being a veterinary technician. You can have you can have the best skills as far as drawing blood on a two kilogram kitten, um, 
But unless you can talk to other people within your team, you're not going to be a good team player and you're not going to be a good team member on the, at the clinic. So communication is very, very important. And it sounds like it goes beyond even the clinical practice setting because in your job, in right? Yes. Tell me more. Yes, because, you know, I'm asked to speak and do things and I have to hold meetings and I have to record webinars. I also write different articles and um, write different pieces for VSPN. So communication, it affects everything that I do. I have to be able to go out and talk to different veterinarians about VSPN. Uh, I have to be able to talk to members and walk them through a CE class. So it's it just touches every base of your life, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of best practices to be a happy and successful veterinary technician, we were we talked about being open, having good communication skills. Would you add anything to that list? Just treat each other well. Treat each other nicely. We see, especially with the support group, a lot of clinics, I, I don't like the term, but I used it in an, in an article that um, we have a mean girls atmosphere, even though it's not all girls that um, we need to treat each other nicely and with respect because I think there are a lot of issues that are going on in the vet and veterinary medicine today can all be helped by being nice to each other. How do you think the mean girls atmosphere came about? Why does it happen? I think some of it is um, people feeling threatened within their jobs. Um, Someone new coming in, they may be better than I am, uh, not wanting to share knowledge, um, and just everyone having to hold on to their job so tightly because it's that important to them. Um, if you've been at a clinic five years, you're probably making not a livable wage, but a better wage than someone starting out. And um, you don't really want to change clinics. So you really try to hold tightly to what you have. And um, sometimes by holding that tightly, you're not sharing, you're not helping someone else become a better technician. It's just kind of being selfish. But I think a lot of it is because you're protecting your own turf. How do you avoid it? Say a new technician is coming into an environment and maybe that already exists. How how would you, what would you recommend to them in terms of how to, how to best navigate that situation? Wow, that's kind of... That's like the million dollar question. Um, how do we turn that around? I'd say by being open and don't take it personally. If someone snaps at you, ask, what can I do better next time? What did I do wrong? Instead of just stalking off and pouting about it. Um, try again, talking through things a little bit. If someone's being mean to you, pull them off to the side, say, hey, I think we got off to a bad start. Was there something that I did that that made you upset? Um, is there something I can do to try to remedy this? So it's it's hard because you're the new person on the block and you're probably a little shy about getting into their territory. But I think it, being open and direct that um, it really helps alleviate a lot of problems. It's very interesting because at, through our conversation, what keeps coming to the surface is being open. And that can mean just as we talked about in in a clinic atmosphere, all the way to organized medicine, how you would network, how to change careers. Mm-hmm. I feel like that, like if we were to take some pearls of wisdom from our chat, Charlotte, it would be be open, communicate. It seems like that really is strong. I think so. I think so. Instead of closing yourself off in a little room and saying, "This is all I can do," because 
We're so much more, we're so much, we're so capable of doing so much more that you have to break out of that little room and don't, don't fence yourself in. And I think I see a lot of people doing that. They just have their little corner and they don't want to step out of it. So I think we need more people to take chances. But it's scary. It is. It's scary. So what would you say? I mean, so, I mean, cause the little box is comfortable. It's, it's restraining, but it's comfortable. So if you don't like it, you can always go back. There's, there's no, it's especially when I said, don't, you know, don't burn your bridges that, oh, I tried that, but it, it wasn't a good fit for me. So I'm going to go back here where I am comfortable. Maybe I'll try it again 10 years down the road. So just don't limit yourself to trying something new. Don't be afraid to get out there. Um, because if it doesn't work out, you always, you can always go back home. At least that's the way I look at it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time, Charlotte. I really appreciate you coming on and chatting with us. You're welcome. And I'd like to thank Zoetis for doing this. Um, There are a lot of new technicians out there who need help with some of the softer side of veterinary medicine, the softer skills. And I think it's fantastic that Zoetis is offering this to not only new technicians, but new veterinarians too. Well, thank you very much. This concludes another episode of Scrub Chat, a podcast of sharing stories by veterinary professionals for veterinary professionals. Please remember to visit VetVance at www.vetvance.com and check out Zoetis Commitment to Veterinarians on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for more information about life's issues, such as handling student debt, reducing stress, communication skills, mm -hmm, and reputation management. VetVance is also available as a mobile app on both Apple and Android devices. If you have any questions or comments, please send us an email at scrubchat at zoetis.com. We'd love to hear from you. And please don't forget to share and review this podcast so we can produce more in the future. We are grateful to Zoetis for the support. Until next time, this is Scrub Chat.